make our way to our seats. If we can make our way to, to our seats this morning. Church family, this morning we have a, a special guest today that's going to be sharing God's word with us. Uh, praise God. His name is, is Tim Ophis. Um, pastor Eric, our lead pastor, this morning, he's in Nebraska. Where is that? O Omaha? My bad. I don't know. I've, I've rarely, I've barely been to the West Coast. So That's is not that, the West Coast. That's not the West Coast? No. Okay. See, I, I'm, I'm geographically challenged, okay? I went to public school all my life. <laughs> in the neighborhood school. In the neighborhood school. Nah, nah, I'm, just like, I'm just playing with y'all. Y'all take things too seriously. No. Uh, Pastor Eric, he is um, currently in Nebraska teaching at a conference called uh, Weekend to Remember from with a ministry called Family Life. As you know, he, four times out of the year, he speaks at these retreats. Last week, he spoke here in Chicago. This week, or yeah, this week he's he's speaking in Nebraska, and he'll be back with us uh, for for the remainder of, of our time uh, here in this year. So today, I just want to introduce our speaker, Tim Ophis. Uh, this brother is a brother that I have the opportunity to um, fellowship with on a weekly basis. Uh, we're actually residents. Um, the way I'm a resident here at the Brook, um, he's a resident with a church in Evanston um, called Evanston Bible Fellowship. And he's getting ready to plant a church in the North Park community here soon. Yeah, praise God. And uh, we're so happy for Tim. I'm so thankful for Tim and the work that he's doing. As we say here at the Brook often, we don't want to just increase in seating capacity. We want to increase in sending capacity. And we're just thankful to you, brother, that uh, you, you get to share the word today and you've been faithful to the call that God has called you to. So continue to pray for Tim if you think about him as he continues to church plant. There's a lot of spiritual opposition that comes with church planting, a lot of work, um, sometimes even uh discouragement that comes with church planting. If you were part of the core team here at the Brook when we first started, you know what that's like. But it's also a great time to see God move in power and in truth. All right? So I'm going to pray for Tim, and then he's going to share God's word with us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. You are a faithful God. There's no one like you, Lord, because you are holy. There's no wickedness in you. Lord, you are righteous, meaning that everything you do is right. You never do anything wrong. Lord, we thank you, God, because you've given us uh, your bride, the church, the ability to be a community of people, Lord, who get to exist as a family unto your name and for your glory. Lord, and this morning, God, as we gather as a church, we want to hear from you. Lord, and we thank you for, again, just the opportunity you've given Tim uh, to share God's word with us, Lord. We pray that today, Lord, you would anoint his mouth as he speaks to us. That he would bring your word afresh to our ears and to our lives. That we would not leave this place without being transformed. Lord, and we trust that your Holy Spirit will do the work. Father, so be with Tim. Comfort him, Lord. Bring everything that he studied to remembrance. Lord, and we'll be sure to give you all the glory. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeremy. 
Well, uh, yeah, it's great to be with you all this morning. It was just a, a joy to get to worship with you. Um, I have two kids as well. They were in the back, and it was nice that my kids were not the only ones crying. So I felt right at home here. That was great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I am just, uh, I, I, I love this church. I know Eric uh, for the past couple of years and Jeremy. Uh, Eric is just, he's the real deal, right? I mean, he's living it, and uh, it's it's so easy to sit under his teaching knowing that he's living it. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for him and for Jeremy, his humility. I mean, we can give you a hard time because you can handle it. You're, you're a humble guy. Um, I think a lot of people have sort of a false humility, but not Jeremy. He always is, a, um, you know, if somebody brings a word to him and uh, wants to uh, sharpen him, he hears it. And I, I just appreciate you, brother. And uh, yeah, just really thankful for this church. So uh, glad to be with you this morning. Um, so as Jeremy mentioned, we're, we're planting a church in the North Park neighborhood of Chicago. So right now we've got a group of about, well, it's exactly 13. I always say about 13, but no, I'm counting. I know, 13. Um, we've got a group of 13 that meets on Sunday evenings in my apartment in North Park. And we're trying to start several, sort of similar to real communities, sev- several communities before we launch services uh, in the fall, hopefully. Uh, but we're, we're just really excited. I mean, the, the world is coming to North Park, 50% of that neighborhood is foreign born. Uh, so we're just, we're excited for the opportunity for mission in that place. Uh, there's two universities with almost like 15,000 students between the two of them with North Park and Northeastern. Uh, such an important time in uh, a person's life, that, that, um, that phase. So we're just, we're really excited about what God is already doing, um, what we're, we're going to get to be doing in the, uh, in the coming years. So if you could continue to pray for us. Uh, and, or if you know somebody in North Park, I was already talking to somebody who said, oh, you know, I go to school there. Uh, come and find me, and, and I'd love to, to get connected. So, All right, so uh, a, a little bit more about me. Um, I was a, a short-order cook, a short-order cook for, for many years at a golf course. Um, I'm not a good cook. I'm not skilled at it. Uh, cooking is a finesse thing, right? I cooked later uh, at a, it was like a coffee shop, it had a cafe, and, um, you know, I, I would watch my boss cook, and he would, like, just throw in a bunch of stuff, he'd, you know, pour some oil in there, throwing ingredients in, and I was like, how much did you put in? He's like, I don't know. You just do it. Like, cooking is sort of fin- a finesse thing, but baking is not. Baking, you cannot finesse baking. Baking is, uh, it's chemistry, right? Um, you got you to gotta know it. You got to do what's right. There's ingredients. You got to follow it. You got to have all of it. Um, oh, here's my clicker. I don't actually know how this works, so we're going to see. Okay, so um, here's a little experiment that uh, some British dudes did. Um, they, they wanted to see what would happen if you baked a cake and then took out one of, one of the ingredients. Um, so up there they've got, on the left... Uh, the cake with all ingredients, and then no margarine, that's how they pronounce that, Um, no egg, and no baking powder. Um, It's pretty interesting to see what happens. Um, Here's here's a cake with all the ingredients. Looks moist and delicious. Here's one with no egg. It looks terrible. It's just like a Hot Pocket or something. Um, So what I want to... Bear with me. This is going to make sense, okay? Um, So... Eggs, right? They're pretty important to, to baking. Here's why they're necessary. Because proteins provide structure for the cake. And so without them, there's no structure. Um, here's why they're, um, they're not good on their own when you're making a cake. Because then you only have eggs, and that's called breakfast, right? So uh, you need more than just eggs, 
and you also need eggs. They're necessary, but by themselves, they're incomplete. That's actually what we're going to talk about moving forward, not in terms of eggs, but um, we're going we're to look at Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. So in this passage, Jesus is disputing with some scribes, uh, and these scribes, you know, they, they know their Bible backwards and forwards, they, they know it all, and they're testing Jesus. And one asks him, which commandment is the most important of all? Pretty big question, right? There were 600, over 600 commandments in the Old Testament, still are. Um, and this guy is asking, not, not just which one is, is greatest, but what do all of these hang on? What are these depending on? Um, Jesus is about to answer this. What sums up all these individual commandments in one commandment? So let's, let's read Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to focus primarily on verses 29 to 31. And uh, three elements are mentioned uh, in this great commandment. And together they sum up all the commandments that are given. Um, we're going to look at each of these, why they're important, why they're necessary, and then how each on its own is incomplete. So that makes sense of the whole egg bit. Oh, I also forgot. This is our passage for this morning. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're going to look at how each of these are, are necessary and each on its own is incomplete. And those three elements are these. Right belief, love of God, and love of neighbor. Right belief, love of God, and love of neighbor. So let's look at this first one, right belief. Right belief. Um, Jesus says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I'm going to bring this higher again. So Jesus starts with something that's not a commandment at all, right? That's, that's not a commandment. That's just a statement. Uh, Jesus starts with right belief. Jesus is quoting here um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It's this thing called the Shema. Uh, Jew would say this in the morning and in the evening. Uh, this is like the quintessential statement of orthodoxy for a Jew. This is the orthodox response that Jesus is giving. This is who God is. There is one God and his name is the Lord. His name is Yahweh. His name is I am. 
That's who is God. You've got to start with right belief. Now, let's look at why this is necessary. It's necessary because we need to think rightly about God if we're to relate rightly to him. We need to think rightly about God if we're to relate rightly to him. To say it another way, um, if we want to have a healthy relationship with God, it makes sense, right, that we need to really know him. If you want to have a healthy relationship with someone, you need to know them. So there's a couple of ways I think that we can err here. And one is that you can, you can ultimately uh, miss God completely, right? Um, this happens often in our, our culture. One common understanding of God in our culture is that all religions uh, point to the same God. All worship that is offered is ultimately offered to this same God, and he, he accepts it. So there's kind of a, a popular picture that people give of this. It's these uh, blindfolded guys looking at an elephant, and uh, each one's looking at a different piece. Uh, you know, one guy's got the tail, and he says, it's a rope. And one guy's looking at a, a leg, and he says, it's a tree, the trunk, it's a snake, the, the tusk, it's a spear, the side, it's a wall. And people will use this analogy and say, see, you know, you think that you're, you're looking at something unique here, but no, no, God is this large elephant. You're looking at, it's this, this one thing that all of it is just going to, to him, and, and he accepts it. I think this is a, an interesting analogy that actually works for other things. I don't think it works in this case. If you hold to this, you're going to think that God accepts any and all worship. Here's the problem, though. God has a name. God has a name. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses asks him, you know, who are you? What's your name? What should I tell people? And they ask, uh, who sent me? And he says, I am who I am. I am. He's got a name. Um, He's personal. And he's rightly jealous. So if I told my wife, if, you know, I had a similar view as this, like, you know, I want to love you, but I think really loving any woman would probably, probably do, right? I mean, if I love any woman, are you okay with that? Is that enough for you? She would slap me, (laughs) rightly slap me, because she has a name. You know, if I want to love her, I have to love her. And she, she... She's got a name. Um, God has a name. Jesus, the great I am in the flesh, and it's him we're to, to worship and to obey. Um, so, going back, uh, many others will, will say that, you know, their, their particular religion, uh, they, they believe that God is, is personal, but they're, they're, they're worshiping a different God, uh, a God with a different name. And of course, um, you know, if you're if you're giving your love, your obedience, your worship to a false god, you're not going to relate, relate rightly to the, the true God. Others believe that God cannot be, um, cannot be known at all. This is common, you know, they call it agnosticism. God, you cannot know him, so you can't relate to him. But that's just not true. God has revealed himself to us. We have his word. Um, in Jesus, God has been perfectly revealed and he sends his spirit. His spirit can empower us and equip us to know who God is. So God can be known. He can be known. A second way that we can err in all of this, so the first one was you could miss him entirely, but even as Christians we can err in this um, because we can, we can misunderstand God ourselves. This is something that I have done, and I pray that if I'm still doing, God would correct. But um, there's a quote by Tim Keller that I really like. He says, if you're God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. 
Um, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. We tend to want to make God in our own image. As you can probably guess, I'm not much of a fighter um, by my build. I have not won a whole lot of battles in my day. Um, so I really liked Jesus talking about peace and love. It's like, amen, yeah, that's right. Um, so I really focused on that. Um, and I didn't, because of that, I tended to not even think about Jesus as judge or G- Jesus as Lord even. I, I really only focused on Jesus as Savior. He's going he's gonna to fight my battles for me, and, and that's true, right? But it's incomplete. Jesus is also Lord. He's also Savior. So I was tempted to ignore parts of Scripture that were difficult for me to, to wrestle with, you know, when, when God judges evil. You know, he hates sin. He hates evil. And, and that's actually a good thing, but I wrestled a lot with that. And all of this would tend to lead me to think that uh, I didn't really need to worry about obeying Jesus because he was a God of grace. I didn't need to, to obey him. Um, other Christians have the opposite problem. Um, I worked with a guy who was obsessed with God's judgment and justice. He, he was super intense. I mean, he had like a he prayed with a, a, a prayer sword. He had like a prop. Um, he, wanted, he was like ready to fight all of the time. And uh, I, I once actually challenged him on that. I'm like, you know, you and I aren't really that different. Like you want to fight and you don't, and I don't want to fight and I don't. And, and the very next day he came to work with a broken arm. No joke, because he got in a fight. So I was like, wow, I motivated him. Unfortunately... <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't for good. Um, but yeah, that, that's another problem, right? If you don't want to look at, at God's kindness, his mercy, his gentleness. You know, the Bible connects God to like a, a nursing mother. There's gentleness also. So uh, both need to be corrected. You know, we've got to look at God and his, his, his full picture here. All right, so we've looked at why it's necessary, right? You've got to know God if you're going to connect with him. But now let's look at how right belief by itself is incomplete. Right belief or faith without works is dead. Faith, right belief without works is dead. James chapter 2 verse 19 says this, You believe that God is one. Does that sound familiar? You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. The demons believe have right theology about God. They, they know who he is. They know he's one. Jesus is called the son of God by, by many demons before he casts them out. Right belief without love of God and without love of our neighbor is, is ultimately not right belief at all. Um, so what you believe, you're going to trust. And what you trust, you're going to obey. So if Jeremy came up here right now, running and screaming at us to get out of the building, we would do it, right? Because we trust him. Most of us would do it. Maybe some of us would be like, that guy, man. <laughs> Most of us would trust him and we'd run out of the building. because we, So we believe his word. We trust him and so we're going to do what he says. Um, the same with, you know, if, if you've got a mentor or somebody in your life that you really trust, you're going you're gonna to listen to what they say. Belief is so much more than cognitive. You know, it's so much more than just what we think. It's worked out in our actions. It's worked out in what we do. Um, so earlier I mentioned how I thought I didn't need to obey Jesus, you know, because he was a God of love. So I thought I had this right belief, 
But if there's no fruit, you, you don't have, ultimately, you don't have right belief uh, at all. You're only in the same category as demons, which is not good company. So uh, we've, we've got to, to believe what's right, but then let out of that uh, actions flow from that. All right, let's look at the next one, love of God. Oh, that's an elephant. Love of God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So Jesus says the greatest commandment, the premise of the law, the thing that everything else is hanging on, is to love God with all of you, with all of you, with your entire self. He lists these four different alls, right? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And how I understand that, there's, there's some debate, you know, about what specifically is meant by those, but how I see it, your heart is your emotions, your soul is your spirit, your mind is your intelligence, your, your cognition, um, your strength is your will. So uh, there, there might be some, some difference of opinion about like soul or some of those, but by and large, you get the idea, right? With your whole self. So let's look at why this is necessary. Um, our faith is about a relationship, right? Our faith is about a relationship. And so it makes sense in any relationship, love is the foundation, um, this gospel that we're talking about, the good news about Jesus reconciles us to God. It brings us close to God again. Um, the problem of sin in the garden was that it, it, it brought us away from God. It separated us from God. And now we are seeking to be restored to him, uh, moved from rebellion to, to love again. But let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's look at each of these in turn, each of these four, and look at why they're necessary you know, why can't I just love God with my mind? You know, I like to sit with my books, and can't I just love God with my mind? Isn't that enough? Um, let, let's look at why each of these are necessary. So all of your heart. We're to love God with all of your heart. These are your desires, your passions, your emotions, your affections. We're to love God with our affections. So um, think about that. We're to, we're to uh, desire him, to long for his word, for time spent with him. We're to delight in the things that he delights in? Think about for a minute what this would look like if you did not love God with your heart. If you didn't love him with, with your heart, your love would be slavish. You would be like a slave because you could do what he says, you could think about him, uh, you know, you could, you could uh, all of those other things, but if your heart is not in it, you're a slave. You know, you're, you, you have to do it. Um, think about the elder brother in the, the, the parable of the, the prodigal son. The elder brother obeys his father, but he, he takes no joy when his son comes back, right? He takes no joy in that because uh, he, he doesn't delight in what the father delights in. He is obeying him to a T because he wants to get something from his father, but there's no love. There is no, uh, there's no affection for his father, so um, think about for a minute, what do you love with your heart? What do you want to spend time with? What do you delight in? Here's a, an interesting one. What do you stare at? Because when you love somebody, I remember like, you know, you're, you're in grade school and there's that girl that you've got a crush on and you're staring at her and hoping she doesn't look at you. Well, kind of hoping she does, but you don't want her to see it. What do you stare at? I think even like 
the fact that, so I, I had a, a, a friend in high school, I was having a conversation with him, and behind me was like a, a, a glass sliding door, and I could tell that he could see his reflection in it, and he kept like fixing his hair and kind of like <laughs> making a face. It's like you, you stare at the things that you love, and that's convicting, uh, for me at least. Like, what am I, where are my eyes? Sometimes very literally, what are they, what are they locked on? And what does that say about my love? We're going to either love ourselves, another person, another thing, um, nothing, or we're going to love the Lord. Let's love him with all our hearts. Okay, all your soul, all your soul. This, as I understand it, is your spirit, like your personality. Um, We're to love God with our personality, with who we are, true to how God made us. Um, So your love doesn't have to look like someone else. Some people, you know, are, are, they display their affection in a particular way, and other people they don't, but their love is real. I think you can love God true to who you are. If you don't love God with your soul, your love is going to be phony. Without this, your love will be phony. Um, loving God without this is going to be inauthentic. He knows you. You can be yourself with God. Um, I remember when I was dating my wife, uh, before she was my wife, I was fearful that I would ruin something, you know, that she would just, that I would do something that is true to myself, but that would be a deal breaker. And like, the, the good news is, when you find the right person, that doesn't matter, because they love you, you know, they don't love, they don't love how smooth you are, they love you, for you. And uh, that's the good news of Jesus. We can love him with our soul, true to who we are. So, so what do you love with your soul? Who are you real with? Who are you honest with? You can do that with God. You can be yourself and love him with your soul, true to who you are. All right, let's look at the next one. All your mind. All your mind. Uh, This is your intellect, your reflection. So uh, we're to learn about God. We're to learn about him, grow in our knowledge of him, read about him, talk about him, soak in him. Um, You were to reflect on him to think about him, um, without these things, your love is going to be shallow. Without loving God with your mind, your love will be shallow. God does not require blind faith of us. He would not give us such a long book, right, if he was a God who said, you've got to love me blindly. This book is big. This one in particular is kind of small, but um, he's given us a lot. Uh, He has revealed so much to us about who he is. He's not anti-intellectual. He's the God who made reason and understanding and wisdom and knowledge. He's the God who made a physical world and all that's in it. He made physics and chemistry, whether we like it or not, right? This is a God who is not opposed to knowledge. We can dig in. So let's think about this. What do you love with your mind? What content are you soaking in? This one hurts me a little bit. The content I tend to soak in are like articles on ESPN, um, articles about politics. Like these are the things I'm often learning about and really soaking in and focusing on. I'm loving those things well with my mind. Uh, and, and I don't want that to be my, my greatest love, those things. What are you learning about? And what are you reflecting on? What are you taking time to think about? Or are you reflecting? 
I was thinking, you know, a lot of people say they do their best thinking in the shower. And I think usually uh, if you do your best thinking in the shower, you might do your only thinking in the shower. That might be the only time that the radio's not on or something because we've got to spend time reflecting and we want to reflect on our God. All right, this, this next one, all your strength, all your strength. Your strength is your will. This is what you do, your action. And uh, this can be physical, the stuff that you do with your hands, but of course, this can be just intentionality, you know? You fight sin. You flee temptation. That's strength, too, even though it's not, it's not building any physical muscles, um, but, it, but it's also uh, how you love God with your will. You're going to follow through on commitments that you've made. That's loving God with your will. And without this, your love is going to be stagnant. Without this, your love will be stagnant. Um, if you were to love your spouse without any action, you've got a problem, right? Your relationship is going to be stale. As faith without works is dead, so too is love without works. It has to involve the will. So what do you love with your strength? What do you sacrifice for? How do you spend your time and your energy? And on who? What do you fight Fighting is good, right? But what do you fight? I, I too often am, am fighting with my kids. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I want, right? I want to fight sin. I want to fight what's evil. I want to fight injustice. I want to fight those things. So I'm not going to, uh, as, as we now kind of look at what's next, how would loving God on its own be incomplete? I'm not going to look at each of these individually, since I think they kind of all interplay together. But as a whole, why would loving God on its own be incomplete? Because you can't love God and not love what he loves. You can't love God and not love what he loves. Um, I think if you're going to give your full allegiance to something, it is impossible to not be devoted to what it is devoted to. You know, sometimes we can make it work when it's not our full allegiance, um, but if this is going to be our full allegiance... We're going to have to love what God loves too, and he loves people. He loves people. And so just loving him on his own is not going to be enough. He loves people. So let's look at this next one, love of neighbor. Um, there we go, love of neighbor. Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the, the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. And even when you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are all like this. They've, they've got an upward, Godward focus, the first four. And the, 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 the last six of the Ten Commandments have a, a, a horizontal focus, how we're to relate to one another. And so this great commandment sums all of that up, and, and then by virtue of that, the entire law of the Old Testament. So why is this necessary? Why is it necessary to love um, our neighbor we were made from the beginning to love others. We were made from the very beginning to love others. Think about this. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Everything that God had made was good. Every single thing that God made was good. Um, and and the, the book of Genesis repeats it like, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And there's a striking moment when something is called not good. And it's in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, it is not good that the man should be alone. This is before the fall, right? Before sin has entered the picture. This is not a result of the fall. It's just Adam and God at this point. 
Just Adam and God, which a lot of people think is kind of like the height of holiness. Just me and God. That's it. But it's called not good. Not good. Uh, Ultimately, Adam needed another. He needed people. Um, I think this is bigger than marriage. This points to marriage because God makes Eve, but I think it's beyond that. We all need community. We all need to love others beyond just ourselves. So um, as, uh, as Jesus was telling this, this, this uh, moment in Mark is also detailed in the book of Luke. And the scribe, you know, hears Jesus say, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, the scribe says, well, who is my neighbor? Right? This important question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Very common parable. We, we probably have heard it before. Um, he tells the scribe, he, he sort of shifts the question. The question was, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answers the question, who was a neighbor to the hurt man? Who was a neighbor? So Jesus is saying, be a neighbor. Be a neighbor. Help those in need around you, regardless of their race, their ethnicity, their religion, their background. Love the people that God has put in your midst that have needs. And that's everybody. Everybody's got needs. Um, And so we want to love people like that. So let's look at now uh, how loving our neighbor by itself is incomplete. Loving people without loving God leads us to ignore their greatest need. If we're going to love people but not love God, we're going to ignore their greatest need. There's often a desire in our broader culture to, to love people in a way like take care of their physical needs. You know, we, we have homeless shelters and soup kitchens and things of this nature. There's a high value in our culture for meeting needs, and that's super important. We've got to meet needs. But if our greatest love isn't Jesus then we're never going to share the gospel with people. We're never going to share the good news because it might be offensive. And we don't want to, if if our highest love is the the neighbor himself, we're not going to want to offend him ever. But Jesus has told us that our neighbors are separated from God. How can we love our neighbor and not tell them the good news about Jesus? Uh, There's a, a, a video, maybe some of you have seen by this guy, Penn Gillette, He's one of the duo of Penn and Teller, if you're familiar with that. He's an atheist, strong atheist, but in the video he's saying, I don't respect people who believe that they know the secret, the, the, the hope of eternal life, and they won't tell someone about that. He's like, if, if I'm talking with you and I see a bus is barreling down on you and it's about to hit you, I'm going to at some point tackle you because I, I don't want you to get hurt. And he said, this is even more important than that. This is more important than that. That's convicting to me. Um, we want to tell people, even, even if it might be offensive, this is the thing that they need more than anything else. They need to hear the gospel about Jesus. We've got to boldly proclaim the good news. Um, often, you know, we don't know what to say or we don't know when to say it. Uh, this is something that our church plant has been really, really focusing on. You know, Chicago's got enough churches probably for all of the Christians in, in the city, But we don't have enough churches in any of our neighborhoods if we want to reach the lost. And I love the brook and your your heartbeat for this, your desire to to have real communities that are missional, um, your your gospel challenge to to share the gospel with 200 people. I love that. And uh, our church, we're we're trying to do this as well. Um, So I've been learning a lot about this. This is not in my wheelhouse at all. 
Um, my, I, I've tended to kind of have a Christian bubble. Um, you know, I, I went to a Christian school. I, uh, I now work at a church. Uh, I can be a little bit isolated, but my heart for the lost is growing um, because of, of God's goodness and his grace. And so I'm wanting to grow in this. And I wanted to share some things that I've been learning as I've uh, pursued this. I think I have them here. Um, these are just five opportunities to share the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. How many of you have, have heard about the three circles? Uh, have you been trained in the three circles? I know uh, Jeremy is working on this. That's a tool I really like. Um, if you want to, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, you can, you can look it up on, on YouTube, Three Circles, Life Conversation Guide, something like that. I find it to be a really helpful way to explain the gospel. Um, but ultimately, we're just wanting to tell people how much the Lord has done for us. If you can tell another person what Jesus has done for you, you've shared the gospel. If you're really making it clear what Jesus has done for you, how he saved you, you're on the right track. But the, the Three Circles is a great tool. But these are five opportunities I've found to share it. Because sometimes it's awkward. I'm like, okay, where, where would I bring this in? So uh, five opportunities. The first one is when somebody is bold with you. People who are bold. So sometimes a dude will, will ring your doorbell, and he wants to get you to like, change energy companies, right? It's like, this is a, an awesome opportunity to share the gospel. And I usually say, man, you're really bold. You just came up to my house. You don't know me from Adam. Can I share something with you? Um, likely they're going to be like, fine, because they want you to switch energy so badly that they might, they might actually hear you out. Um, so when somebody's really bold with me, I like to go for it. I was, uh, I was with my wife at Portillo's um, for her birthday. Not a real ritzy date, I realize that. Um, <laughs> hot dogs and chicken tenders. But while we were there, I was like, man, I want to try sharing the gospel with somebody. I'd love to try drawing the, the three circles, but I don't have a pen. And then a guy came up to us and he said, I want to draw your family. And I was like, this guy's got a pen. Um, So uh, I was like, all right, you can draw us. He started drawing our family. And while it it was going, he said, "Um, you know, people usually charge 20 bucks if you're going to draw them, but I only charge five bucks a person. I was like, wait, we didn't agree to that. I don't don't have any money. I mean, I could maybe buy you a hot dog or something. But uh, uh, so when he finished, I said, hey, can I, can I show you something? And I drew him the three circles, which explains like, man, we're, we're broken. We've experienced brokenness. We can't get out of it on our own. God's got a good design for all of life. And if we'll turn to Jesus, um, Jesus who became a man, he died on our behalf, paying the penalty for sin, uh, defeating sin, uh, sin, Satan, and death. Then he rose again three days later, um, uh, proving that he was who he said he was, you know, ran through the whole thing. Um, and the guy was like, man, I know brokenness. You know, I'm right, I'm right there. I'm in brokenness. Uh, he didn't, ultimately, I said, well, well, what do you think about following Jesus? And he kind of blew me off. Oh, I know about Jesus. I know about Jesus. Um, but that's an opportunity to share. Sharing the gospel, uh, uh, the, the success rate, the, the thing that you're going for is not a yes. You're just going, the, the, the point is just to share. You leave it up to God. It's, it's God's job to, to open the eyes of somebody's heart. You cannot do that. All we are called to do is to share the good news. Uh, God will, will bring in the harvest. The second one is people with time. People with time. So when I got my hair cut the last time, a, a girl named Sarah was cutting my hair. She was a non-practicing Muslim, 
And uh, she was kind of like, I said I was planting a church. She didn't really get what that was. She's like, are you a priest? You know, where's the collar? That whole bit. And uh, I, I got a chance to talk to her about the gospel. I also, God has repeatedly, since we've moved into our new place in North Park, has like struck down our washer and dryer so we couldn't use it. So we'd have to go to the laundromat and talk to some people. Um, the laundromat is a great place because people are stuck. They, are, they can't go anywhere. Um, so we were at the laundromat, and uh, this, uh, the, the owner of the laundromat, I, I had a chance to talk with her, and uh, she was really interested in spiritual things, and she was willing to hear the gospel. Um, and she's connected to everybody. I'm praying that she might uh, you know, join us, uh, accept Jesus, and, and come to our church. Because, man, she, she knows everybody who's in there. It was really, really fun. Um, I also go to the, this hospital near uh, where I used to work, and there was a, a waiting room, not like to see the doctor, but the waiting room before you kind of like get your ride of people waiting for the bus. And I would go there too. And that was a great one because people were always talking. They, they know brokenness at the hospital, right? You, you understand brokenness in, in a place like that. And so I had some really great conversations and opportunities to share the gospel there. The next one is people who share their brokenness with you. People who share their brokenness with you. Um. This is a great one, especially if you know the three circles. It's kind of a natural on-ramp to talk about brokenness. Um, people are, are experiencing so many trials and difficulties in life. And uh, once, Abby and I were at the beach in one of those warm February days last month, and uh, I was thinking about this, actually, this always-on mission, because really what I wanted to do was go to the beach and not talk to anyone. It's like, I don't want to have a gospel conversation, really. I just want to sit at the beach and hang out, and, and that's it. Uh, but I was thinking about, all, like, always on mission. What does that mean, that I'm always ready to do this? Always. Um, so this woman came up. She was walking a dog that has the same name as my daughter, Lucy. We are like, okay, that's interesting. We've met a lot of dogs named Lucy. I don't know what that is. Um, but she just started unloading her brokenness. We don't know her at all. And she just started dumping brokenness, basically you know, her landlord is terrible and all these things. And uh, I then was chasing the kids, but my wife had an opportunity to pray with her. Um, another guy I had lunch with, he, he was telling me his story, and, and all of the words he was using would describe my own story before I knew Jesus. You know, he was talking about being really fearful, feeling empty, um, like he had no purpose. And I was like, man, have I ever shared my story with you? And I was able to tell my story, and he was like, that's me. You know, that's my experience right now. The fourth one is people who ask you why. And I think this will happen at work, those of you who, who, who work. People who ask you why, like, why don't you swear? Or, you know, why are you so patient? Or why are you being nice to that guy when he's a, a jerk to you? Or something like that. You might have an opportunity to answer it. And uh, our, our gut might be to, to try and, like, be humble and be like, I'm not that nice. You know, I'm, I'm not that good. But we could give glory to God and be like, you know what? If you see that, God has been doing something in me, and it's through his son, Jesus. And you can share who Jesus is. That's sharing the gospel. And then the last one is, is uh, people that you plan to share with. Sometimes you could just say, hey, I learned this thing called the three circles. Can I show it to you? And, and that's, that's one way to do it. Um, or just, just make a commitment. You know, when I meet with this guy, I'm just going to tell him. Even if, it's, even if it's totally not smooth whatsoever, I'm just going to get there. Uh, that's, that's another way to do it. There might be other ones than these. These are just five opportunities I've seen. April 30th is coming quickly, right? 
Your goal to share with 200 people is coming quickly, but you can do it. I mean, it would take all of this room to do it once, and you'd way surpass your goal. Um, you, got, you can do it. You can do it. Uh, Jesus promises when we, when we pursue this, uh, in the Great Commission it says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That promise is in the context of making disciples. And the first step of that is, is sharing the gospel. Jesus is with you in it. It's his message. You're his ambassador, you know. It's okay to get rejected. At the, in, in the church plant, we want to get a traveling trophy for like best rejection. You know, if somebody just like really stuffs you, we want to we honor that and be like, Man, there's nothing you can do about that. That's okay if you get totally stuffed. Let's just embrace it and, and go for it. Uh, I don't like rejection, but maybe if I'll get a trophy for it, I'll... Uh... All right, before we close, I just want to look at one last thing. Um, this, this guy, Jesus tells him, after all that he said, he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. What's interesting to me is that he says... You're not far. Not that you're in, like, you got it, bro. He's like, you're not far. You're not there yet, but you're not far. Um, he knows the right answer. You know, he's got the recipe, but something's still missing. He now needs to do this. He needs to do it, and he needs to do this in relation to Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is, is the one true God, and it's, it's him that we're to love with all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our heart. Um, it's, it's, it's him. It's about Jesus, submitting to Jesus. This guy is so close. Uh, he knows the right answer, and he's talking to the right person. And hopefully we'll see him in heaven, you know. Hopefully he, he, he eventually turned the corner there. Um, but I think it's an important warning for us. You know, knowing the right answer is one thing. Living it is another. Let's be people who live this. Let's be people who live this. We've seen the three elements, why they're necessary, um, uh, why they're not the only ingredient. And now uh, think through, you know, how are you doing with this? Have you submitted to Jesus? Do you have an understanding of who he is, what he's done for you? Do you trust him? Do you love him with all of your being? You know, which of those areas could you grow in? Mind, uh, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Do you love your neighbor by both meeting physical needs but also spiritual needs and sharing the gospel? And let's be doers of the word, not hearers only. Make a plan this week. Like, who could you share with this week? Or, you know, what could you study in terms of the word? Or, what, you know, what's something that you could do this week in light of this text? Thank God, though, that even when we struggle with this, even when we fail, we have a forgiving God. We have a God of grace who not only forgives us when we don't meet this commandment, but he's given us his spirit who empowers us to live this out. That is good news. Rest in him. Rest in him. He can, he can do this good work in us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you were kind enough to reveal um, what is most important to you, that you were kind enough to reveal this commandment to us. God, would you help us to think about you rightly? Would you help us to have a, a right belief about you? God, would you challenge us in that? God, would you help us to love you with all of our heart, all of our souls, all of our minds, all of our strengths? Lord, would you help us to do that? And God, we want to love our neighbors 
And we don't want to just meet physical needs. We want to tell them about you. God, give us boldness. Provide us opportunities even this week to share with people in our lives, our friends, our families, our coworkers, our neighbors, uh, whoever you might put us into contact with. May, may you help us to be always on mission. Lord, I thank you for this time, the time that you've given us in your word. Would you help us to not just hear it, but to do it? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. We praise God.